Welcome to the Real View Q&A podcast brought to you by Parasia Ministries. I am Trisha Gunn, the founder of Parasia, and I'm joined by my dear friend, Marianne Jenkins. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the wages of sin. A Real View is brought to you by Parasia, a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of God's grace, freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit ParisiaMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Parisia is greatly appreciated. We've got a couple questions. Go ahead and read both the questions that we're going to cover and then we'll take them one at a time. Okay. The first question is, what does the wages of sin mean? And then the second question is, how do you feel about penal substitutionary atonement? And then they so they go on to say, I have a close friend who's saying that Jesus really didn't take our penalty or that Jesus was never forsaken by God. Okay. Um, so the first question, though, we'll go back to that. Uh, what does the wages of sin mean? Okay, so let's cover that. Romans 6.23 is where we get that phrase, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, um, death spoken of here, let's talk about that first, is not talking about when your physical heart stops beating. Death is alienation, separation from the life of God. And before we knew God, we were dead in our sins. Yes. It's a place, dead in our sins, right? Um, Colossians 2 says, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with Jesus. And then it says in Ephesians 2, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. I love that passage because it goes on to say that we've been seated in heavenly places. I love this this whole idea, like it says in Colossians 1, um, that he has conveyed us from darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. we've We've moved places. Yes love that. We've moved locations. Okay, again, the wages of sin is death. Okay, let's go to the word wages now. Um, This word, if you look up the Greek word for it, it's a soldier's pay. It's money paid for hire, but figuratively it's used um, for the eternal compensation of unrighteousness. Okay, divine reparations or restitution or recompense. In other words, this is the divine consequences of sin. Okay, we're not talking about the natural consequences of sin here. We're talking about the divine, eternal consequences of sin, okay, which is separation from God. Yes. Okay, so, so there are consequences, natural consequences to sin. Right. You know, for instance, you know, if I have an affair, uh, that could cost me my marriage. Right. Right. <laughs> um, if uh, I kill someone. I could go to prison. Right. But if I am a believer, nothing will separate me from the love and the life of God. So even though those happen and you might have to, like you said, face the natural consequences, Mm -hmm. 
there is no separation and there's no shame between me and God over those issues. Exactly. No punishment. No punishment. No eternal mm-hmm. punishment. And uh, I can still be, I'm still in full right standing with him. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because the wages have been paid. Okay. So this speaking of a payment owed. So when Jesus became sin for us, his blood became the payment for our sins. And um, of course, when we talk about blood being shed, this is talking about death, right? The wages of sin is death. We talk about this scripture a lot, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. And he died for us, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I want to look at another verse, another little passage uh, that uses this word wages. And this is uh, in the context of the man in the Bible who is referred to as the father of our faith. This is in Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? Uh, In other words, what did Abraham discover about his own righteousness, his own efforts? Nothing good. If we read about Abraham, we find that he was not a model citizen. In fact, he was an example of someone living under the grace of God. Um, So verse 2 says, For if Abraham was justified by works or made right with God by his performance, then he he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, speaking of trying to pay God to be right with him, the wages are not counted as grace but as a debt. Okay, so notice those words, accounted, counted as. Those are accounting words. Yes. And I'll get back to the Greek word for that in just a second. Let's just think about what's being said here. If our right standing before God is earned by our good behavior, then then we get credit for it, right? Talking accounting terms here. Right. Uh, But we'd also have to concede that the flip side is also true that we lose that right standing or that credit by our misbehavior, right? Yes. But if righteousness or right standing with God is truly a gift by the grace of God, Jesus gets the credit for paying it. Yes. Right? Okay. Purchasing it with his blood. But we can't lose it even if we fail. That's, talk about the beauty, that's just so beautiful. It's the scandal of the gospel, It right? is the scandal of the gospel. I did nothing to earn it, and I get to walk in his favor and his riches mm-hmm. because of what he did. He took the penalty and gave me blessing on the other side of the cross. Exactly. So, we can't lose our righteousness But those who are trying to establish, as the Jews did, and it's spoken of in in Romans 10, they were trying to establish their own righteousness. And Paul says they weren't submitting to the righteousness of God. Okay, so you can't believe you're righteous by what you do, while at the same time believe that you're righteous as a gift. Uh, Romans 4, 5, the next verse says, But to him who does not work... 
but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Scandal of the gospel. Justifies the ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Accounted. Again, that's your, that's your accounting term. It's the Greek word logizimai, which means to count, compute, calculate, count over, and make an account of. Okay, it's also used in another place, Romans 6, 11. It's translated reckon. Okay, reckon. Here it is in Romans 6, starting in verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That's talking about Jesus. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, in the same manner as Jesus, reckon yourselves, account yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll talk about being dead to sin in another one of these. Um, But we're to reckon, that's the word I want to focus on, reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin in the same way that Jesus died to sin. All right, so reckoning is to count it as a fact. It has to do with fact, not opinion, not supposition. It's not subjective. It's objective. It's a fact. Okay, I love it. We can always go back to the fact. Yes, there it is, black and white. There's no gray area. Love it. Yes. Love it. No gray area. Okay. So if I reckon I have a hundred bucks in the bank, I have a hundred bucks in the bank. Okay. It's a reckoning. Okay. So we can calculate, count ourselves as a fact, dead indeed to sin in the same manner as Jesus. Okay. So he died. And what was his death about? He died to the condemnation to the punishment, to the charges against us, to the shame, to the penalty of sin for mankind. That's what he did. So we're to reckon ourselves, calculate ourselves, dead indeed to sin the same manner as Jesus. I know I shouldn't get into this right now, but this isn't saying, you cannot say that Jesus died to the verb sinning. Okay, this is actually dead to the noun sin, harmatia. Okay. Jesus never sinned. So how could he be dead to something he never did? Exactly. What he was dead to was the imputation of the noun sin, the nature. He took on the nature, our, our sin nature at the cross, and he died to it. He took care of it. So he took care of sin at the cross, that nature of sin. All right, let's look at verse 5 again. But, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, so does not work to be right with God. Doesn't pay, okay? It's given to us as grace. If we could just quit trying to pay, we could just receive it as a free gift. Right? Yes. So, and here's another point. Jesus went ahead of us. Okay? God sent his son. The Bible even says the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So this was planned from before time began. That this would be put in place for us. That Jesus Christ would go to the cross and provide everything we would ever need according to the riches of his grace before we ever needed it. So we can't even pay for it if we try. That's so beautiful. Exactly. It's, 
it's um, I'm just I'm honestly out of words because it really is so so wonderful. It's profound. The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But Jesus took care of that for us so that we would never be separated. Nothing could ever separate us from him. I love that because it, I love how you talked about it from the beginning of the foundations of the world. Because before we were ever even mm-hmm. thought, they already had, we were a thought because they already had us in mind to redeem and restore us within the Trinity, mm-hmm. Father, the the, God the Father, mm-hmm. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that they would do this and seal us in love yeah. at that moment with this plan in mind to redeem us and to restore yeah. us. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and, and we, uh, you know, if we, you know, just believe in our hearts, <laughs> that yes. God raised him from the dead. It's with, it's with our hearts that we receive this free gift of salvation, and it's for anyone. It's offered to anyone. Amen. Amen. Okay, how about that next question? Oh, yes, the next question. The question was, how do you feel about penal substitutionary atonement? And then they go on to say, I have a close friend who is saying that Jesus really didn't take our penalty or that Jesus was never forsaken by God. Okay. Well, um, I could really go into great detail. I'm not going to go into a lot of of, uh, detail about this, um, you know, penal substitutionary atonement right now. I just want to really focus since we've been talking about the wages of sin. I just want to focus on one word, penalty. You know, penal penalty. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, penalty, a debt for for wages owed. Okay, like paying a penalty for breaking the law, for instance. All right. Now, spiritually speaking, there was a penalty owed for sin. It's a penalty that no one could ever pay. No human being could ever pay. Okay. It's called the wages of sin. Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just want to take this opportunity to just talk about what Jesus did for us. Okay? So he became, he's the son of God. He became the son of man. He put on human flesh, right? So that he could pay the wages of sin. So the son of God became the son of man that the sons of men might become sons of God. All right, so the, Jesus, the man, our intermediary, it says, came into human flesh to take on that sin, to take on the forsakenness, the separation yes. in our place. First Timothy 2 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all. And then our favorite verse uh, on righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when he became our sin, he paid the wages of that sin, separation from the life of God. So Hebrews 2, I'm going to read from the New Living right here. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. This is so important. Um, 
made of flesh and blood. This is something you see throughout many of the New Testament books of the Bible is how Jesus came in flesh and blood. Okay, and he had a physical resurrection. This is very important to believe because without it, we wouldn't have any salvation. The wages would not have been paid. The son also became flesh and blood, it says, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Yes. Okay, so Jesus became human because as God, he couldn't die. He was born the same way we're born, but instead of being conceived by the seed of a mortal man with sinful flesh, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of a virgin. Right. Which I think a lot of people don't know, but that literally means that his blood, your blood comes from your father. Right. So if he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, his blood came from his father. Yeah. If you don't know the science behind that, then you don't understand the actual beauty of that story. Exactly. That that was truly royal blood Mm -hmm. that ran through his veins holy blood. Yep. It was from his father. Exactly. And that's why it is the only blood that could have washed our sins away. Because it's the only perfect blood. That's right. It's really important. It's very really, really important. He was the perfect spotless lamb of God. He had no sin, knew no sin, did no sin. He did not have a nature to sin. Because his father is God himself. But he came into a human body, so his blood, his sweat, his tears, his pain were experienced in a real body that was prepared for him, it says in Hebrews 10, a body prepared for him. In Philippians 2, it says he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. In other words, you could touch him. You could feel him. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. The most humiliating death. So the reason that Jesus, the man, was separated from God at the cross is because he became sin for us. That is what sin demanded. Do you see what he... He had to pay that price. Yes. Okay, if he hadn't paid that price with forsakenness, then we wouldn't get forsakenness. I mean, we wouldn't be accepted. Right. Okay, we were forsaken. He took on our forsakenness. He traded places with us. Yes. Because if he hadn't, we would be perpetually in that separation. That's exactly right continually living in it. Mm-hmm. So he took that so that we could continually live in the uh, communion and the union union yeah. with the Lord. Exactly. So he experienced all the effects of sin, all the effects of the curse. I think that's us. also important to say, though, is that he, because he took on that forsakenness, then therefore my union with him is always... It doesn't go back and forth dependent upon my behavior. Yeah. Because he fully took on the forsakenness Mm -hmm. and ended the separation 
I fully live in separation or not separation. I fully live in union. Yeah. Complete one oneness with him. Yeah. It is not dependent. It doesn't go back and forth. It is not dependent upon my behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I said I didn't want to go into too much detail about, um, you know, uh, penal substitutionary atonement and the separation thing. Um, But I do not believe that Jesus just felt forsaken by God. I don't think it was a feeling. He wasn't trading a feeling for a feeling. He wasn't taking a bad feeling so we could have a good feeling. He was literally taking on the wages of sin, which is separation, as a man. Okay, now we know the Trinity was in full agreement about how this had to go down. Jesus had to put on human flesh. He had to humble himself. And so, therefore, this ought to give us incredible peace in our conscience. Yes. About our union with God. Yes. It truly is that verse. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Yeah. Because he took on the separation. Yeah. We can never take on the separation. Right. If all he took was a feeling of being separated, then that then all I can get in return for that exchange is a feeling of not being separated. A feeling of closeness. A feeling of closeness. Well, that can come and go. Yes. Based on circumstances. I don't want a feeling. I want a fact. Yes. The fact is, is the great exchange took place. Mm-hmm. And I, and in accounting terms, the debt was paid. Yeah. And I'm accounted for as righteous now. Not because of me, because of his actions, Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And what he, how he traded places. Exactly. So we're, you know, we're taking time to sort of expound on this because um, it's, it's just, we, we've got to speak of the black and white of it, okay? Jesus took on the shame. He took on the condemnation. He took on the disease. He took on the physical death. He took on the separation. He took all of it. When it, you remember when he said, oh, my father, if it is possible, this goes to his motivation. Let this cup pass from me, which that cup is separation. Hmm. Okay, because everything else comes from there. I mean, yes. that's your starting point, right? Right. Separation. So if you're separated from the life of God, then all the benefits of being in God and in the life of God are not yours. If you're separated from the life of God, alienated from his life. So he took that cup. And he, he said, Well, he says this. He goes, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So in that human suffering and that knowing that this cup would mean a separation. It was he had to make a choice. He was at a crossroads there. And that's why I love that word nevertheless. Because you know what that word nevertheless means? Love. Choice. Jesus did not want to go back to heaven without us. He loved us so much. God 
so loved us that he sent his son. Jesus so loved us that he drank the cup. Yes. All of hum- all of the humanity mm-hmm. hangs on That's right. That one word, nevertheless. That's right. He chose to do this for us. Yes. He had the choice. He didn't have to. He could have walked away at that moment. Mm-hmm. But he saw us. Mm-hmm. We're, we truly are the apple of his eye. Yeah. And you, like you said, he wanted to yes. go back to heaven with us, with him. And the only way was for him to go through this sort of judgment. So it was his choice. And then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the only place that I could find that Jesus referred to God as God and not Father. He had always called him Father. Now he's calling him God as the Son of Man, taking on the sins of man. So he called him God that we might call him Father. Mm. He was forsaken that we might be accepted. That's beautiful. He was separated that we might be joined forever. And so this is a good time, though, again, to just bring it back to the full agreement of the Godhead that this was the only way to reconcile man to God. Second Corinthians 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, not counting their sins against them. Why? Because all of our sins were counted against Jesus at the cross. So he's committed to us the word of reconciliation, and that's what you and I are doing right now, Marianne. What is that word of reconciliation? God's not counting your sins against you. Yes. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then what's our favorite verse on righteousness? He who, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. The great exchange. Yeah, the great exchange. And I think that that's um, just what we've got to keep front and center. I determined to know nothing among you but Jesus and him crucified. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a Real View Q&A podcast where we answer your questions about God's grace from one singular perspective. We determine to know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified. This podcast is sponsored by Parousia. If you want to know more about God's amazing grace, go to parousiaministries.com.